a Samsung. Sorry, I didn't know. Sorry, it's technical. Don't understand. Okay. I just think it, we are so blessed having Wes. Yeah? Okay? Yeah. Let, let, let's remember, let's really respect uh, the people that God has given to us. And Father God, I pray you will look after Wes as he gives this talk. I pray it be a talk that comes straight from you, Father God. A talk that you want us to have. And I pray that every heart will be open to what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go, Wes. Thank you, Bob. Morning, everyone. Um, today, we're, we're looking at, so if you have your Bible on you, get out now. If it's on your phone, Apple or Samsung, get out now. Um, we're looking at 2 Timothy 4. Um, and actually, 2 Timothy 3 and 2 Timothy 4 um, are two... Um, passages in the Bible that I've always disliked reading, typically, because I found them quite challenging. And I never really enjoyed reading these two passages, so I always kind of avoided it, or would kind of let it, but it always resonated with me anyway. So I'm going to read to you 2 Timothy 4. Um, it's a real long one. I'm using the NLT version. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so it says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others. It's the, the downside of using your phone as the Bible when you press a button and you lose your passage entirely. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize waits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's not, sorry, that's Timothy 4, verse 1 to 8. Not the rest of it, not doing the rest of it. Well, the reason why I want to go through that, and I want to kind of break that down in segments, just the, in, into four different segments that, that, um, in the letter that Paul writes. Because um, it's something that's always, as I said, spoke to me, and there's a few reasons why. And the first thing that Paul talks about in this letter to Timothy is, um, is about being prepared. So this guy is going out and doing ministry. He tells him to be prepared. He says, I solemnly, this is in verses one, um, verses 1 and 2, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God, be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. And... The reason why I think that, that challenges me when I look at it is because I recognize lots of the times in my life when I've not been prepared. And actually, Darren and I were talking about this last night, that sometimes 
well, pretty much everything in your life that's in front of you takes you away from the path that God might call you on. Like family, even work, um, your health, your anxieties, your stresses, everything is constantly pulling you off of focusing on God. And sometimes it's very difficult to see God in the midst of everything that you're walking through. It doesn't even, you don't even have to be going through a t- particularly difficult time. You can just be going through a time when lots of things are happening at the same time. It could even be that you're chasing a promotion or a new job or that you're trying to get a girlfriend or that you're trying to get married or whatever it could be. That those situations can all be things that pull you away from your focus on God. And then obviously there's times when the absolute worst stuff happens in our lives and we totally lose sight because we're just in the midst of grief and, and anger and disappointment and other things. And I recognize that I'm definitely not always prepared to go and serve God. There's certain times and periods where I'm, I don't feel like I'm ready to go out and serve God. And that's a challenging thing, thinking actually, because I'd always say to myself, it's all right. You know, actually, Darren and I were talking about conferences like, and being a conference Christian when you go out and you go to a conference and you get juiced up for a week and it's all easy and all you do it, every day all you're doing is going and hearing about you know, being challenged and being encouraged and you're worshipping and you're with people all Christians around you all your conversations are about good things and everyone tries to talk about good things because everyone's nervous about offending anyone else <laughs> so everyone's, and it's just this bubble where you are pumped up and ready to go out and serve God and then you get out into the real world and very quickly you go back to your old ways and your old paths and you're not quite as prepared as you were because when you left the conference you could have done anything God asked you to do because you were filled to the brim with, with spending time with God and then you go back to your life and then you get filled to the brim with family, TV, job, everything else, life but in this letter he says regardless of your circumstances regardless of what's going on you need to be prepared. If you're going to go out and minister, you need to be prepared at any moment to serve and preach. And the onus is on him. He's not putting the onus on God to make us prepared. He's not saying you have to be praying to God to prepare you. We can pray for God to prepare us. Of course we can. But the onus is on, on Timothy to go out and actually spend his time praying, his time preparing himself, his time teaching preparing himself. Conferences are quite easy because you're being fed. When you go to a conference, there's people who are there feeding you, and we like to be fed because it's easy. But we have to prepare ourselves. We have to go to the gym and do the work, put the work in in order to get stronger and build our faith and relationship and prepare ourselves for what God has to do. He's saying, you have to go and prepare. And that's, not, that's for all of us. It's not for select people to go and prepare because God wants to use all of us in in the body of Christ to do different things. So we have to all be preparing ourselves for different things, the different things that God wants us to do. Regardless of where we're at, we have to be preparing ourselves. And that's well easier said than done. Because if where you're at is in a dark place, it can be very difficult to be preparing yourself. But when we were, when we were actually singing earlier, um, I felt God saying to me is that he is the constant. Because when we look at our relationship with God and we feel unprepared and we feel distant and we feel like God is a million miles away from us, does anyone ever feel like that, ever? It's not the fact that God's moved away from us. It's the fact that we've typically moved away from God. And we've put all those things between him and us. 
because God's not moving. He is the one constant, the one thing. He's, he's chasing those walls down. He's trying to break those lies down, chasing after us. He's waiting for that relationship with us, that time with us. But it's us that moves away from him. All those other things in our life, sometimes proper legitimate stuff. Sometimes it's just desires and things that we want and temptation. But things, we are not the constant, we're the moving one. So we ask God, where are you? But really, we should be asking ourselves, where are we? We need to be prepared. It's our responsibility. We can't let other people just feed us. We have to be building and preparing ourselves for the things that God wants to do. And Paul carries on. The second point I want to look at was this itching ears um, point. And Larry mentioned to me earlier that there's another translation that says, what was it, tickled ears? Tickling ears. And it says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And that, that particularly has always spoke to me. One for two, two reasons why. One is I speak at church. I don't want to ever be the person that's speaking at church to scratch niches. You know? And it's ten, and genuinely it's a temptation because there's things that I can read in the Bible that are easy to talk about and the things that I read in the Bible that are difficult to talk about. But both are the truth. Some are easier to take than others. So that's one of the things that has always challenged me, this, that the responsibility I have to speak or anyone who speaks at church or does any sort of leading, any sort of teaching at all, there is a massive responsibility that we're there to tell the truth and teach and equip and, and, and those things. We're not there just to say things to make people feel good. Sometimes things in the Bible will just make you feel good. <laughs> but there are times when it's just challenging because you rec- recognize you're so far off the path that the Bible is saying the way you should be. The other thing is, how many times, or do you, or do I, ever have things we read in the Bible that we don't agree with? And rather than um, be obedient to what the Bible is saying or something, would rather spend a long time looking for someone who talks about it in a different way, who translates that thing in a way that scratches that itch. It's okay for me to continue doing what I'm doing in my life because this person said it's okay. So I'm going to follow this person's teaching because they're scratching that itch. They're tickling that itch. It's pleasurable to me. It's a good thing. I like it. I don't want to hear that it's not okay for me to carry on doing this thing in my life that's wrong. I want you to tell me that it's okay and that I'm okay and I'm good and God still loves me and God does still love you but what you're doing is wrong and that itch ain't going to get scratched. Does anyone relate to that? Having that in the Bible when they read things and they want to find someone who tells it otherwise? And the theologians, like my dad, is extremely theological. Like he is next level smart. He's better than Google. He talks to my dad and says, what's this Bible verse? And he goes, oh, that's 2 James 3. And he's like, shut up, dad. That's not even a thing, is it? No, it's not even a thing, see? (laughs) Me and my dad are on different levels. (laughs) I knew, though. I knew it wasn't real. 2 James. 2 James. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, but but my, my brother as well he's, he went to like my brother oh, I always keep talking my brother when I speak at the moment but he was not a very um, like ed- academic person he ended up going to like Oxford to do a masters in theology because God called him into ministry and he like his whole life turned around he did totally different and both of them are really well 
theologically studied and read, and they're very, very switched on and smart. But what, what's really interesting is students who study theology find it very difficult because they're constantly being pulled from different opinions and interpretations of the Bible. And there's some people, there's like little things that aren't like sal- what, I would, what you say salvation issues, so little things that don't necessarily mean you're not or not going to go to heaven. And there's other things that are really serious that some people say, if you don't do this, then you're not going to go to heaven. And some people do this. And they come out but battered and torn apart from, from learning at, at like a Bible college because they're, they're hearing everyone's interpretations of what the Bible is saying. And it's a bit of a minefield. And if you have itchy ears and you're feeling challenged about something, there is someone out there who will make you feel better because they will tell you what you want to hear about your situation. And Paul is warning us about that. He's saying, for the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And they will reject the truth and chase after myths. Myths. So it's not even the fact that, that, that you can go and get your ears itched, but that will, tur- that will cause you to turn away from the truth. And it's, and it's tempting to do that. Like I've read things in the Bible that I've really struggled with. And I don't necessarily even agree with. But I want to be obedient to what God's saying because it's, sometimes it's black and white. You know what I mean? It's like very, very clear what God is saying. And the temptation is when it's challenging to our lifestyle or our opinions or our belief system or our culture to go and find someone who says it's okay. But the Bible tells us it's not good to do that. We have to listen to sound and wholesome teaching. And my promise to you is in any time I'm speaking, I'm going to do my utmost best to speak what I think is the truth and not what's going to itch ears. But I'm saying that, I mean, when, when, if I do that, and, and sometimes even you don't agree with that, you know, I've had it when people said things to me and, I, and I've not agreed with it at the time because it's too challenging. It's not always nice to hear those things sometimes, being real. But I think the Bible is pretty clear. We need to be speaking about the truth you know, and not itching any scratches just because we want to scratch them. The next thing that Paul talks about is this whole thing of suffering. He says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord, uh, for the Lord's work to, uh, at telling others the good news. This is, I copied and pasted that from the Bible and that has not worked out well. Hang on. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the, good Lord, for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. And I've spoken about suffering before at church because it's a concept that's a bit weird to us because we talk about God loving us and God um, protecting us and caring for us, yet we still suffer and there's still pain going on and we have all these things. And actually suffering is a promise in, this Bible, in the Bible and actually in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3 Paul writes yes and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution but evil people and imposters will flourish they will deceive others and will themselves be deceived but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught you know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you and Paul was talking about like Paul was writing these letters from jail so he's suffering like he's a, he's a person who suffered so he, he's in prison for his faith and things he's done so Paul is writing other people about faith 
from a really bad position being in jail. And Paul is talking um, about the fact that when we serve God, we will suffer sometimes. And, this is, and it's a really difficult thing to read. This is why I don't like reading this Bible thing, because it's challenging, because it says that, one, we're responsible to prepare ourselves. We've got to be praying, fasting, getting ready, and, and changing our lifestyle, and getting prepared for whatever God calls us into. Two, we have to listen to sound teaching, even those ones that challenge us, and we ain't going to be scratching ears. And people you're talking to might not like what you're saying because you're not scratching an itch for them. And then number three is, and you're going to suffer after all that as well. Like, you're going to be suffering for God's work. I was like, great. This is a great part of the Bible to read. Brilliant. And, and the thing, and the, the, what's interesting in, in 2 Timothy 3, when he says, um, but evil people and imposters will flourish, they will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. No one you're doing the right thing. Because sometimes there is the right thing and then the wrong thing, right? And you're doing the right thing. And then you see the person who's done the wrong thing, like succeed in life and flourish and make lots of money or do this thing that you really wanted to do and they have this really great life. And it's, you sit there and you look at them and you're like, oh, I did the right thing. And you're the bad person here and you're going around succeeding and doing well by lying to other people and by winning that, that way. But it says that they're deceiving themselves. Yeah. And we have to remain faithful. Like we may never, ever see the result of that person's situation but we don't have to see that which tells us we have to be faithful and know that God is just and actually not even praying for that person to have their comeuppance but praying, forgiving them and moving on with our lives and being faithful that God will resolve that situation in God's way and that doesn't mean that we're praying for them to get thrown into hell or to have you know this really bad thing happen it's so that they will change their lifestyle and they will have a faith in God and they will have their own because they're deceiving themselves. It's not real happiness if that's what they're, they're chasing after. And I can think of people. <laughs> um, I think Judith knows who I think about when I talk about, when I talk about this Bible passage. And um, it's not Judith, by the way. <laughs> Just saying. It's <laughs> about to be an awkward message. Um, but I can think about people who I know who I've tried to, I've tried to be um, cons- consistent and good and do what God, I feel God's telling me to do and still that person treated me un- 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 differently but also succeeded so much in their life. From an outside perspective, I saw that success continually happen in their life and that is frustrating. And it's and also difficult to understand sometimes why, why that happens but we'll be faithful that God and actually praying for that person and saying, God, I pray, you know, also, firstly, I can forgive them, but also that, that they will change their ways, yeah. and they will, they will have a meeting with you on this situation, you will turn it around in God's way. Yeah. So, why, why do we want to do those three things? Why do we want to prepare ourselves and spend that time not doing things we enjoy doing more and other things and praying and fasting and why do we want to do that why do we want to go and listen to sound teaching that's going to challenge us and change our lifestyle and make changes and amendments why do we want to um, suffer for the work that we're doing all this good stuff why do we want to do all that stuff and suffer for it and do all these other things and just and, and find our life life if you look at life from that lens perspective from the way that I'm talking about it now it sounds like a long drag doesn't it it sounds like a long journey it sounds a bit like carrying a cross 
But the, at the end of the passage, Paul writes, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all those who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's what I want to be able to say at the end of my life. I fought the good fight. I did the long journey. I did the things I felt God was telling me to do. I spoke truthfully and I preached truthfully. I, I um, prepared myself. I gave up my own time to go and really invest in my relationship with God. And I suffered and I faithfully endured the suffering. I didn't lose sight of God in that. And now I'm going to live my reward. That's what I want to say at the end of, and at the end of, my, at the end of my life, at the end of my journey. Because at the end of all this stuff, this life that we're living now, there's heaven. And it almost sounds cheesy saying it in 2020, heaven and hell. There's heaven. There's life. And there's death. Life and death. Sunday, preaching, your relationship with God is life and death. And after all this stuff that Paul went through, he was looking forward to life after death. That's what he was looking forward to. And he was telling the next generation and trying to prepare them for the challenges that he has no doubt, doubt faced. That you need to be prepared. Don't ever lose sight. Don't ever stop preparing yourself for the ministry that God has called you. That is what, that is your most, your most priority in relationship with God. Prepare yourself. Build that relationship. Be ready. Tell the truth, regardless of what culture tells you to say about situations. Tell the truth, and people aren't going to like that, and that's going to hurt. But tell the truth. And then also, endure that suffering faithfully. Ignore the fact that people around you are succeeding who shouldn't be and keep on fighting the good fight and have faith in God's love over that situation. And then at the end of that journey, you'll have run, fought the good fight, you'll have run the long race, you've done the good journey and you'll have life at the end of it. And it's, I think any part in the Bible that tells us we have to do things and we have to change how we operate or think or behave practically and spiritually and, and emotionally is difficult to read and want to spend time because it means we're going to have to get our comfort zone and we sing songs about how God loves us and how much God loves us and he does love us but God also hates our sin he doesn't love our sin he loves us and hates the sin in our life like he says at the start that, that we are accountable God, is, God will come back and will judge us like we'll still have if we have faith in him, we're going to have life after death. But it doesn't mean that God is pleased with the sin in our life. And for the times that we constantly get things wrong, his grace is greater than those things and he still loves us. But it doesn't mean that we can just sit in our loins and allow life to take us where it takes us. And the reason why I say that is because I've seen it, I've done it, and I've had it said to me when I feel, I feel guilty about a situation and I've spoken to someone about it and they say, oh, it's okay. You know, God loves you and God does love me. But no, it's not okay. Like the sin or the thing I've done wrong, actually, no, it's not okay. Like, actually, it's okay that, 
that God will forgive me for that and give me grace over my life and I can come back and ask for forgiveness but it's not okay just to carry on doing that thing it's not okay like I can have standards for my life and prepare myself better to serve God because if I constantly live my life saying it's okay it's alright I did that but it's okay you know God loves me God gives me grace or you know when I, before I die I'll say sorry to God and then I'll get you know I'll get, I'll get in heaven quickly at the last slip moment it's not okay like sometimes when we feel guilty we feel guilty for a reason and we have to make changes and I've got things in my life I have to change and they're not okay and I know they're not okay I know God doesn't like them I know God loves me but I know God doesn't like those things in my life that I have to change and that's for all of you as well God loves you but there's things in your life that he wants you to change we have to prepare ourselves and, and living life preparing to suffer for him getting out of our comfort zone and doing those things I want to pray and, and maybe we could do a song a worship song as well and, 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 and her, the, my tone of voice and the passages that I'm reading, it sounds like doomy and gloomy. But we are, and I said, this, I said this when I spoke last week, but we are serving a God who is giving us life. We are serving a God who gives us grace and forgives us. And he deserves our utmost, our focus, our, our, our prayer, our fasting, our worship. He deserves our preparation of our heart and our relationship. He deserves uh, uh, people who, who are willing to suffer for that relationship for him and in doing his work like this is not doom and gloom this is just it's different from what we're our, our nature tells us to do when you've got like a perfect God meeting an imperfect human in your heart it's a it's a messy existence together but I want to pray and I want us to go away and maybe even read this again when we're at home but to be encouraged but also I want us to be challenged about this because I don't know what everyone's situation is, where you're at in your own life, but I think we could all do with looking at these kind of passages, and if they challenge us, asking ourselves, why are they challenging us? Like, what is it is it saying that I don't like? And if you read Timothy, 3 Timothy, he mentions all these things about Christians at the time that he is warning about in this letter, and when I first read it, I recognized a couple of those traits in my, in my life, and I felt a bit sick reading it. I was like, I need to make some changes here. I need to step up and make some changes. It's not good enough to continually accept all the stuff that I'm struggling with. I need to make changes and start getting better. And that's a journey. Like for all of us, that's a journey. And there's never gonna be a point when you've, when you've fought the good fight, it doesn't mean that you've then become perfect. It means that you faithfully serve God through all this stuff that you've gone on throughout your life and done your utmost to serve him and be to be who God called you to be. So you fought the good fight. You've not become perfect, but you've made those steps. And we're journeying all together. We sit in a room and pretend that we don't struggle with things about certain things. And I reckon so many of us have anxieties or insecurities or fears that are shared, but we've never spoken about to other people. And in that silence, when we don't talk to each other about those things, is where like things can fester and things can grow. So. We're gonna, I'm going to pray, we're going to sing a song and I say it every, every week but please talk to someone 
like come and talk to me or be accountable to someone, have a person you can speak to about these things because I want to make sure that we don't just speak on a Sunday and we go home on a Monday and that's it. We need to be speaking and listening to things and making changes in our life to make sure that we are fighting that good fight together as a church, as a family. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, that you that you love us so much that you sent your only son to die for us on a cross. We thank you that you you have grace for us, Lord. We thank you that that you are the constant waiting for that relationship, waiting for us to speak to speak to you and to come to you. You are the constant, Lord. We thank you that you are a good, great, powerful God. And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness for the times that we forget to remember that where we forget to put you above the other things in our life and where we forget to put you above temptation and put you above other desires and stresses and worries and anxieties, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, that we can put you first today, now, and that we can leave this building ready to fight the good fight, Lord. We can be willing to prepare ourselves, willing to hear what the truth is in the Bible and willing to suffer for your word, Lord, because you are a God who is worthy of that, Lord. I pray that we can have a realisation of how worthy you are of our love and of how much we should worship you and how much we should give to you, God. I pray that, um, that you can just speak to us right now, Lord, and in our, in our week this week about the reality of who you are and, and who we are in your plan. And Lord, I pray that we can just wholeheartedly commit and serve and give you our life, Lord, and, and be servants who fight the good fight and who at the end of our journey, Lord, can say we fought the good fight. We made mistakes, Lord, but I pray that we can be those people who fight the long journey and just can give our lives to you wholeheartedly in service of you, God, we pray.